Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Tuesday morning, let's just be honest, that was Mad Nagy. You just heard talking about Nick Foles, who was carted off the field, leg and hip injury in the latter stages of Monday Night Football in the Vikings' 19-13 win. The Bears' offense was straight-up offensive. 149 total yards. They had more yards on special teams than they did on offense. This after the big story that they were going to be relinquishing play calling duties from head coach Matt Nagy to Bill Lazor and as Key has mentioned a couple times this morning the Bears certainly not laser focused it's Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin the Vikings suddenly out of nowhere have won three in a row the Bears have lost four in a row Bears on the bye they got the Packers coming out of the bye good luck with that so Foles banged up Trubisky's got the shoulder injury and it's going from bad to worse in Chicago. Uh, bad blood, not bad to worse, but a little bad blood here, Key, between Andy Reid, he is one of the more jovial guys in the NFL, of course, and your guy, head coach, John Gruden. It all goes back to this game in week five, which ended up being Kansas City's only loss to this point. Yes, the Raiders go into Arrowhead and win. By the way, they'll meet again this Sunday night on Sunday Night Football in Las Vegas. The Raiders got on the bus to go home. The bus driver, as you might expect, Kansas City guy sitting on the bus ready to drive it. He's a Chiefs fan. He's given Gruden, uh, Gruden some grief about the win, and that's because the Raiders took a victory lap around the parking lot at Arrowhead before departing for the airport. Look, we don't have our fans here. Raider fans are everywhere. We're going to celebrate by just taking a victory lap around the parking lot. Andy Reid was asked his reaction to that yesterday as they prepare to meet again on Sunday. Well, they, they listen, they won the game, so they, they can do anything they, they want to do. Uh, uh, they end up winning the game. That's not our style, but we'll, we'll get ourselves back, ready to play, and that's where we're at. You can find a smart Alec bus driver in Kansas City who made some snide comments when we got on the bus. Maybe that's why we drove around the stadiums to tick him off. You know, this is ridiculous. Next question. It's a little petty there by Gruden, don't you think? Dude's a no, fan. No, it's fun. <laughs> it's a little petty. It, it, no, it's fun. You think about it. He, dude on there, you just got waxed. Now you're talking trash. So Coach Gruden and the Raiders like, you know what? I'm gonna make I'm gonna make you drive around in circles around the parking lot. It, it I, look, it's all fun. Right. Randy Reed and John Gruden got great relationship. They they they, they the re, one of the main reasons that John Gruden is the head coach of the Oakland Raiders is because a guy like Andy Reid. They work together in Green Bay. Sure. I mean, it just I'm not I'm not worried about the relationship whatsoever at all. It's it's good for us to talk about because it's funny to me. But other than that, what's going to happen on Sunday night? That's the key. That's the key. What What's going to happen on Sunday night? Because if it's me it's and I'm Andy Reid and I got a chance, I'm going to put about 80 on them and then take a lap around Vegas. <laughs> that, 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 that's how you get back at him. You blow him out and you, you, you know, at the end of games, you know how they say you should kneel down and do all that. Score a touchdown. Ooh. Go on and score and then take a lap around the stadium. Go, go for two. Go Be for two. Uh, <laughs> go go for two. Onside kick up big. Just why not? Why not just do it? I bet you the players would love to do it. And I think it's great because this division has been dominated for so long um, by just a couple teams. For the most part, Denver, obviously, in the Peyton Manning days. And then they actually, you know, won the division with Tebow, believe it or not. And then obviously the Chiefs domination since uh, Patrick Mahomes arrived on the scene. So I think it's really great to have a team like the Raiders with the massive fan base be right there, right in the thick of everything. It makes the division so much better. So let's ask this question. So the Raiders currently sit here at 6-3, and three, as I mentioned, the only team to knock off the Chiefs. Again, they'll meet Sunday night 
in Vegas for round number two. We'll see if the uh, Chiefs can escape with the season split. Just a few minutes ago, we were running down all the 6-3 and three teams mm-hmm. in the AFC. There's actually a lot of them, a half dozen, in fact. And of all the six teams, including the Ravens, who you don't think are a real contender for the Super Bowl, we reeled off all six, some like Miami, pretty clear they're not ready yet. The only team in that whole group of 6-3 and three teams that you thought was real were the Raiders. And this appears to be the biggest game in the second tenure of John Gruden coming up Sunday night. What do you think about this Raiders team right now? I think they're a good football team. I think that they, they took some lumps early on. They obviously lost a game to Tampa Bay at home, you know, but they took care of business. I mean, it, when they beat the New Orleans Saints, you start to think about some of the signature so-called wins that they've had. They've shown that they can continue to go on the road, although Cleveland is not, you know, a, a world beater, but the weather was bad. It was so bad that neither team could do much on the offensive side of the ball. They were able to get out of there with a W. So when you start to look at it, it's like, okay, the the coaching staff is one of the best coaching staffs assembled in the National Football League as far as I'm concerned. They have talent on the offensive side of the ball. You think about the schedule that they're faced with coming up. They got the Falcons, the Jets, the Colts, the Chargers, and the Dolphins. Mm. I'll say it again for you. After the Chiefs, the Falcons, the Jets, the Colts, the Chargers, and the Dolphins. Are you scared of anybody on there that I just named off. No. Right? No. No. And if they th- think about this for a minute. If they beat the Chiefs, that's two games now. Right. Chiefs have two losses against the Raiders. And the Raiders run the table with those teams that I just named. If they don't all of a sudden raider it like they did last year when they were six and four. And then finish seven and nine. And finish seven and nine. And the Chiefs have a stumble against somebody else along the way before the end of the season. And the Raiders are tied at the end of the year with the record and the head-to-head, they're up. Now they are the leaders of the AFC and home field advantage throughout the playoffs. They got the head-to-head. <laughs> but remember, they'd obviously still be behind Pittsburgh there. But they'd Well, yeah, that's right. They'll be behind Pittsburgh. But it, it, within, they'll win the division. They'll have the second seed, which is not the same as it was in the past. But a guaranteed but at least, home game in the playoffs. But it's a guaranteed home game in the playoffs. Right now, where do you think, or how do you think? I think we know Mahomes is clearly the MVP. We have this discussion every week. You have him in the number one spot at this point. Uh, you are way more bullish, I think. I think it's fair to say. All the ESPN analysts we talk to, everybody talking now. Well, what there. do they know? <laughs> You're way more bullish on Derek Carr than most people are. Right now, you are what your record says you are, but what do you think about Carr right now? Because I don't get caught up in what Gruden says. Gruden throws little breadcrumbs out there, and people run with it. Oh, he doesn't like him. Look, they got Mariota. They, they're going to they're gonna bench him. And so, you know, I don't get caught up in that because clearly you look at his play. What's wrong with his play? How can you argue against that? You can't argue against a guy a couple years ago prior to getting hurt when Jack Del Rio was the head coach. Ago, head coach he had his team getting ready to make a nice run in the playoffs, he was probably going to get a major MVP consideration. He gets hurt. And then he still played well when he came back. It's it's one of those narratives where people put out there, oh, he can't make this throw, or every now and then he misses this. They create this false narrative about the player that he is. Nothing wrong with that dude. Nothing. It's 32 teams in the league. How many teams would like to have Carr as their quarterback? Quite a few, I would imagine, considering Quite how poor a few. the quarterback think, play has been. You think the Chicago Bears would like to have him? Maybe even the other team they played last night. 
or the other team that they played? I mean, so when you start to look at it, he's one of the – he's at the back. He's in that 7, 8, 9, 10 category of top quarterbacks in the NFL. And that would make you a top 10 quarterback. One other note I wanted to mention, they instituted the NFL by giving everybody a week off about 30 years ago. And coming out of the bye, there has been no coach better than Andy Reid. 18-3 and three following the bye for him. Him. So it shows you not only do they have the weapons, but they have the extra week to game plan and coming out. We'll see how they fare. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin brought to you by Merrill with Merrill Guided Investing. You have the option to work with an advisor at a low cost and minimum. Get started at MerrillEdge.com slash investing goals. Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner and Smith Incorporated, both a registered broker, dealer and investment advisor member SIPC. In moments, we'll have the NBA's best insider here to talk about a lot of juicy things with the draft tomorrow night. But I got to ask you this because you have a unique insight into Gruden and I've always wanted to ask you this. I've done a couple interviews with him but i don't what is he crazy no No, i don't claim to know him i just talked to him during the fired football coaches association of america yes um when he was on monday night football he was beloved i mean the players loved him super positive general reviews from viewers were really good energy brings a spark to the booth then he comes back to the game he's got that super bowl championship and then people just thought he lost his fastball immediately right the trade of khalil mack the poor start the first couple years how much personal satisfaction, just knowing Gruden, you said the intricacies, quote-unquote weird, he said, how much personal satisfaction, again, it's not finished, they were 6-4 and four last year and cratered, they're 6-3 and three right now. What's the personal level of satisfaction for Gruden that it finally looks like, despite all the critics and the naysayers, all the doubters, that they're turning the corner? It's major satisfaction. There's no question about it. This is, you know, when he, when he <laughs> I was going to say when he took the job, but according to him, when I was on the conversation, I was on a phone conversation with him. I would say probably two weeks, maybe even three weeks before it was announced that he was going to be head coach of the Raiders. He was still working Monday Night Football. It was like his last two two games or so, and we were having a conversation. We talked for about an hour on the phone, and we mm. were talking about the makeup of the team and the coaching staff, what the makeup needs to be, how he needs to hire assistants that know his system, how he needs to find people that already know how to run the West Coast system, the things that he wants to do. They're going out and getting maybe some of the old assistants that he had in the past that he may have ruffled feathers, but they can mend their fences and they can get back in good graces together and can coach. And we had that deep conversation, which a lot of people don't even realize and understand. They couldn't even understand that me and Gruden would be on the phone for an hour several years later talking about the way to go about approaching his next tenure as the Raiders head coach. So it's major satisfaction. There's no question about it. I never felt that 10 years away from the game was going to have anything negative. He just needed to understand the NFL is different than when I baptized him Mm -hmm. years ago about how to treat players individually. And, And so I think he got that now. He understands you can't be the same John Gruden that you was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or even the Raiders the first time around because the players are different now. I tried to give him that early. Mm-hmm. that I, you know, But now he sees it up close in person. It's a different world. There's no doubt. He tried to load up with veteran players, all that sort of stuff. That was the biggest criticism. He'd been out of the game. But now Gruden 2.0. It's all about your assistant coaches too. Right? Think about his Tom Cable, Kirby Wilson, uh, 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 Rob Marinelli, you start thinking about some of the staff, Edgar Bennett, mm-hmm. uh, ex-Packer wide receiver coach, Packer longtime running back. You start thinking about that staff in assembling Rich Versace, special teams coordinator that was our special team coordinator in Tampa, longtime Dallas Cowboy assistant. You start putting your staff together, it's all about the staff. 
with these coaches. It's a great point, too. Those guys were actually NFL head coaches, all about delegation. We're all about the NBA. And that last voice you heard was the NBA's best insider. He's working furiously. We got the draft tomorrow, free agency a couple days after that, the season a little over a month after that. Woj joins us this morning on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Uh, We're going to mention a very special project that Adrian has been working on on the Greek Freak in just a little bit. If you're a Netflix guy, Disney Plus guy, and love binging stuff on TV, you'll love to binge this with your ears on the podcast. More on that in just a second. Hang tight for all those Giannis fans. First things first, Adrian, let's get right to the news here. James Harden's situation turning down a $50 million a year deal, which would have made him the league's first $50 million a year player. Dissension with the Rockets. Interest in the Nets. What can you tell us? Zubin, uh, James Harden did turn down uh, an extension, two years, $103 million, as you said. Would have made him the league's first $50 million a year player. I think, I think only soccer players in the world uh, have reached that salary. But um, that made it pretty clear to the Rockets uh, that he was serious about wanting to go to Brooklyn. Right now, there's not a pathway uh, with the Nets. There has been contact, I'm told. Uh, between the Nets and Rockets, but there's there have been no real uh, discussions on a trade. The Rockets, because Harden has at least two years left on his contract, he's not in a walk year, you know, they have some time on their side to try to rehabilitate the relationship here, try to get him back on board. Uh, they're certainly not in a rush to move him, but I think they're willing to listen uh, if teams want to register offers and offers that would be, you know, really significant, whether that's draft picks, you know, all-star level young players, you know, those are the kind of uh, uh, parts that would ultimately get a deal done for James Harden. But for now, uh, the Rockets are in no rush to move him, and they they have shown really no inclination to start negotiating with the Nets. Well, it seems like Harden wants out, though. He he does not want to rebuild, does. does not want to be a part of the Rockets moving forward. And let's just assume that it is the Nets. They get on the phone later today. They figure out how to get a deal done. Is Kyrie Irving at all involved in those conversations? That would not be uh, the, the Nets or Kevin Durant's uh, wish in, in doing a deal. They want to get James Harden, or they'd want to talk about a James Harden deal that put him as a as a as a big three a super team in Brooklyn not not to move Kyrie out that uh, Kyrie and Kevin Durant have were in LA working out with James Harden and you know it's been a broader conversation how that would work and listen it's with three somebody is taking the back seat you you can you can have co-stars it's hard to have three uh it certainly would be a challenge uh to imagine how it would work but uh, the Nets, if they were to do a deal like that, it would be built around other pieces they had, uh, certainly draft picks. But, again, the two sides have been in contact, uh, but, but the Rockets really have shown no inclination uh, to start wanting to put a package together to see if they can get something done with, New York, with Brooklyn. What about Philadelphia 76ers and Doc Ro- or Glenn Rivers? Uh, <laughs> no Doc there, Woj. What about Philadelphia? Do they, do they get in the mix on this? Well, right now, Harden's focus is entirely, I'm told, on Brooklyn. Listen, of course Daryl Morey would love. There's, not, there's very few organizations, if any, that wouldn't want to at least kick the tires 
on James Harden, see what it would cost. Uh, but right now, um, I think it's also hard to imagine uh, Houston and their owner Tillman Fertitta, uh, after Daryl Morey left and then went on to Houston or went on to Philly to take over there. The idea then of shipping James Harden to Philadelphia and imagining a championship parade someday, you know, through the streets of Philly with Daryl Morey with James Harden. Listen, if, if Philly ultimately offered the best package and it was significantly better than everybody else's, you've got to do the right thing for your organization. But all things being equal, I think that's an uphill battle for Philly to think that they could get involved um, in a James Harden discussion. But uh, things change, and I think a lot of this is going to be built around how, how hard Harden wants to keep pushing to get out, how difficult potentially he could make life day in and day out in Houston, but we're not to training camp yet. We're not to the season. And it's a little early, it's a little easier to stomach a player's desire to leave when you're still in an off season than when he's coming to work every day, uh, when he's impacting everybody around. You saw that with Jimmy Butler in Minnesota. You know, the Timberwolves thought, hey, we can hold on to Jimmy. We can make this work. And then it became untenable. Uh, let's see how Harden handles this uh, when they get back together, uh, assuming he's still on the team when, when training camp starts. Enough about Batman. Let's talk about Robin. Where does uh, <laughs> Russell Westbrook wind up in all of this? I think right now it's, it's a slow-developing market for Rus- Russell Westbrook. Uh, you know, they've had, you know, they've reached out to teams really much more so. I, I think with Harden, they're seeing what comes to them right now, but, but they've reached out to teams. There, there's nothing with any traction with Russell Westbrook right now. And so, listen, I think the possibility is significant that they start training camp still with, with both Harden and Westbrook. On the roster. Jeez, this feels like a Houston Rocket uh, radio show here, Zubin, because <laughs> here we are again talking about two guys from the Rockets, and now we're going to talk about a former Rocket. How did the Chris Paul deal get done so quickly? Well, Oklahoma City worked with Chris Paul on where he might like to go. It's a finite number of teams for a player. I think with Chris Paul's uh, salary uh, at 35 years old, uh, that's not a deal for everybody, but Phoenix just increasingly made more sense for him. You know, geographically close to where uh, his family resides now uh, in Los Angeles, and an organization that really needed him. He can make just a tremendous impact from uh, certainly on the court, uh, helping to get that team back into the postseason for the first time in a long time, but just his leadership his professionalism, the impact that Chris Paul can have on DeAndre Ayton. Devin Booker really wanted him there. The organization in, in Phoenix took a big step forward last year by bringing in Monty Williams as their head coach. He brought a level of credibility, of, of competency to that job, and I think Chris Paul elevates it even further. Uh, they've been rudderless for a very long time with the Suns. It is a, it's got a proud history. It's a great basketball town. And you saw the potential of that team in the bubble going unbeaten in that, uh, in the restart, just missed out on getting in to the play-in. I think Chris Paul is going to have the potential uh, of a dramatic impact 
uh, for that Suns organization. There's no doubt about it. The NBA's best insider, Woj, is with us. He served that mentorship role in Oklahoma City. Thunder did better than anybody could have reasonably expected. Phoenix has such a young roster, too, and he'll certainly be able to impart his wisdom there. Last thing for you, Drew Holiday, the trade to the Milwaukee Bucks. Everybody is talking about getting Giannis enough pieces. From your reporting, this is probably the first of a couple moves they're going to have to make. What does Giannis's camp or those around the Bucks think of making this acquisition in the hopes of keeping Giannis long-term? Uh, there was a lot of excitement and enthusiasm around that Bucks organization late, late last night. Not only did they uh, acquire Drew Holiday in the deal, uh, but they put themselves in position to, to finalize a sign-and-trade uh, later on here, closer to free agency with Bogdan Bogdanovich from uh, the Sacramento Kings. And just a really impactful, a uh, couple potentially impactful acquisitions. And as Giannis gets closer here to having to uh, make a decision about signing that extension and foregoing free agency next summer, uh, this was something that the Bucks knew they had to do. They had to upgrade this team. You know, they, Dennis Schroeder was a player that they very much uh, wanted to try to do a deal for. He goes to the Lakers, and then they upgrade. They go get Drew Holiday uh, from New Orleans. But I think there's a lot of optimism around that Milwaukee organization. Uh, but ultimately, it'll still be Giannis's decision on, on how he wants to go forward. Indeed. We asked Woj a bunch of questions this morning, but the biggest question so many people in the NBA have wondered for the last several years is how does a 25-year-old two-time MVP named Giannis get drafted 15th overall in his draft class? you think there's 14 players better in that draft class than him? <laughs> Woj investigates the twists and turns that led the franchise and the league to see that altering decision made in that 2013 draft. It's a three-part series that tells a unique story. It's got interviews with people close to Giannis as well as the Greek freak himself. Woj was able to sit down with him one-on-one. It's three parts. It's binge-worthy. If you get into it, just keep on listening. You can check out the Woj pod special, the Giannis Draft, wherever you get your podcasts right now. Woj, thank you very much. We'll see you on Get Up here in just a few minutes. All right, Woj. Thanks, guys. That's the NBA's best insider. On the way, our NFL insider says it's not at all crazy to think the Saints could win the division with Jameis Winston and without Drew Brees for no matter how long he may be out. That's next. It's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. We'll see. Those are the two options right now for the New Orleans Saints. I'm sure you probably heard yesterday Drew Brees cracked ribs, punctured lung as a result of the former, and he is on the shelf. We're not exactly sure for how much. You saw Jameis Winston come in Sunday against the 49ers. He was 6 for 10. Taysom Hill also got some run as well. Let's run it down with ESPN NFL insider Dan Graziano giving us the Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin here on ESPN Radio. So, Dan, from the reporting that you have, 
Um, what is the confidence level inside the Saints organization that if they have to go a reasonable amount of time without Drew Brees, that Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill can get it done? Yeah, I mean, look, they believe in their roster, right? And, the, and they've had Jameis Winston there, and, and they've liked what he's done in terms of practice and, and as a backup. So they're hopeful, and Taysom Hill's been there. He knows what they want to do. The key difference, last year Teddy Bridgewater played five games when Breeze was hurt and, and they went 5-0. and oh. That was Teddy's second year in the system in New Orleans. This is Jameis's first, mm. and they didn't have an offseason. So it's important to keep expectations right. where they need to be. But, you know, Jameis Winston, incredibly talented guy, had 30 touchdown passes last year, 5,000 yards. You know, you know, it's possible he gets it done. Schedule doesn't look too terrifying. Uh, and again, they can work, as you just heard Jeff Saturday mentioning there, Taysom Hill in maybe a little bit more than they do when it's Breeze. Uh, but uh, but it's a huge opportunity for Jameis. I mean, this is this is um, the showcase, right? This is how you sell yourself to a potential future employers by how you do in this in this little uh, chance. See, for me, Dan, I think that future employer is already in New Orleans. Could be, yeah, right? Because if Drew Brees, whenever Drew Brees decides to walk away, if you are Jameis Winston, I'm here. I'm learning. Mm-hmm. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm not getting in any trouble. They like me. They embrace me. Why not stick around with them? This past weekend, Dan, you had the Dolphins, the Giants, and the Cardinals all pick up major wins. Mm. Which one of these teams do you believe will make it to the playoffs? I think I, I think the Cardinals are the most likely, although I reserve the right to change my mind if they lose to Seattle on Thursday night. That's a huge game, right? I mean, that changes the entire huge. outlook in the, in the NFC West, uh, depending on which way it goes. I really like Miami, and, and their next – Three games are all winnable. Buffalo's off this week, and they play Buffalo in the final week of the season, so they may have a chance to win the division on Where, the field. Where's that game at? I believe that game's in Buffalo. Ooh. I think the first game was in Miami, but uh, I have to look. I, I think it's in Buffalo. That's a rough Florida one, Florida right? traveling to Buffalo. Yeah, it's a rough one. So maybe yeah, they, they got to get a little, build a little lead. you got to catch them and build a lead. Giants, I think, are still a little bit short, but i got to say – the way they're playing, the way they're coming together under Joe Judge, if I'm a Giants fan, I would be very, very happy with what I'm seeing from a team that I don't think really had reasonable expectations for this year. And, and I think you're, you're very encouraged for the future. Daniel Jones hasn't turned the ball over. Two straight games. Can you imagine? Zubin laughed at me a month ago, plus when did. they were 1-7 and seven or whatever it was. And I was like, I think they're going to win the division, man. I mean, it was like, are you crazy? I'll One tell you this. seven, though, Dan, right? Guarantee you this. Someone will win the division. <laughs> they will have a playoff team from the NFC East. It has to be somebody. What have you seen from Brady and the Bucks lately that makes you think they could win the division away from the Saints? I think what we saw this week uh, is the ability of Brady to keep everyone happy, right? All the receivers had a good day, and that's been a big question. Are there going to be too many mouths to feed? And obviously it's not going to look like that every single week, and the, the opponent plays into it, but I think what we saw this week was the Buccaneers' offense working the way they want it to, and that extends all the way to the run game. Obviously you saw the one big run from Ronald Jones, but they, they've been at their best this year when he has, so... Uh, as long as they can keep that formula going and as long as Brady keeps playing the way he can uh, and the way he did Sunday, I think they'll be all right. You know, they, they, don't, get on another, they don't get on an airplane for another month. Their, their next road game is December 20th. So, what so do they, they have, have a three bye? home games and a bye between now and then. So you look at, you know, a 43-year-old quarterback, a veteran team. I mean, that, that matters, right? Late, yeah. late oh, in the yeah. season? Absolutely. Of, yeah, so, that, so that's, a, that's a big part of it, too. Having great weather, having great weather late in the year where Tom is used to playing in Foxborough yep. late in the year, now he gets sunshine, 75, 80 degrees. He gets to put those opponents in dark jerseys. I mean, that stuff really pays off. Let me ask you about this one, though. Last night, 
two teams, the Minnesota mm-hmm. Vikings and the Chicago Bears, was not laser focused on offense. For Bill, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, like, <laughs> Chicago Bears and that offense, what happens to that team now in the head coach as well as Pace, the general manager? Lost four in a row. They were five and one, now they're five and five. They have a bye, and then come out of the bye, they have to do something. I mean, they got the Packers on a Sunday night game right out of the bye. So they have to start turning it around. Now, when we did our, we did a little coaching thing about a month ago, we surveyed the scene, what's going to come open, what's expected to happen. What we were hearing was that things in Chicago were going to be okay, that Nagy would be safe, et cetera, et cetera. But obviously they've lost every game since then, and you wonder if things turn around. When you check in on these, these things in early December, things can sound different than they did in early November. So, look, it's Matt Nagy. He's supposed to be an offensive guy. They, they can't score. Uh, Nick Foles is the quarterback he wanted to bring in that, that would know what he's talking about. If they have to switch off of Mitchell Trubisky, they did. They're 2-5 and five since they made the switch. It's not looking good, right? I mean, if you look at it from the outside, we don't, know, me. We don't know the mind of, of team ownership, but obviously these are the kinds of things that happen in advance of a change. So obviously you have to look at that seat as potentially hot. Uh, they have time to turn it around. They were 5-1. and one. They have those wins in the bank, but they've got to start finding a way to score points. I mean, it, it looks terrible. The, the, Jets are the only te- Jets are the only team averaging fewer points per game, fewer yards per game. Fewer third downs, uh, lower third down percentage. I mean, it's it's a, an abysmal offense. And the crazy thing, you mentioned the Jets. The Jets' offense looked better than Chicago with Flacco at the quarterback <laughs> spot. I mean, let's be honest here. Let's talk about the Minnesota Vikings, the other team yeah. that played last night. Minnesota's off to a pretty hot second half of the yeah. season, I would say. Do you anticipate them maybe making a wild card spot? I think they've got a chance. Still two games out behind that that cluster of NFC West teams that are 6-3. and three. But, you know, some of those teams, they're going to play each other, so they're, they're going to lose some games. Minnesota, you know, look, Dalvin Cook, he got bottled up last night. It looked like the Bears were definitely trying to, to key in on that and make sure he didn't crush them. And the way he came into the game with, you know, 470 or whatever scrimmage yards in his last two games, they're running their offense the way they want to. And when they get to play defenses that aren't as fearsome as this one, I think Dalvin Cook gets back to dominating. And once that happens, I think, you know, you've seen that formula work. Defense has gotten better as the year's gone along uh-huh. because they've played together longer. There's a lot of new pieces coming together. So I, I think they have a shot. I mean, look, it's seven, it's seven teams, maybe eight right. per conference that make the playoffs this year. So you really can't rule them out the way they're playing and, and, uh, and how close they're getting all of a sudden. We should clean that up for those that are not aware. Uh, right now, the NFL has moved forward towards 14 teams in the playoffs, their first playoff expansion in right. 30 years when it was 12 teams. So that would be seven in each conference with the number one seed getting the bye. That would be the only team, the top-level team, in each conference that would get the buy. Dan's point is if we go into some sort of bubble or the coronavirus ravages the back end of the season, the NFL has a plan in place to go to 16 teams, which right. would be, of course, be eight in each conference. And that would be a full 50% of the National Football League. wasn't too long ago. This was one of the hardest sports to make the yeah, playoffs, right. but that could be different. All right, um, you mentioned uh, that Miami game, by the way. That game, to your point, will be played on January 3rd, and this is important to note. Will be played on January third in Buffalo. Yeah, so we'll so keep. You know what that looks like? It will not be white out for, for a Florida team to go to Buffalo in January yep. <laughs> when I'm coming out of ninety degree weather, hanging yeah. out on the beach, to go into Buffalo for some soggy wings. Yes. Plus in the cold. Plus, <laughs> like, like Buffalo's good. I mean, like uh, Buffalo, yeah. like Buffalo is the better team on paper. But you know, if if Miami can take advantage of a soft schedule coming up. 
tough loss for Buffalo in a game they they thought they had won this past Sunday in, in Arizona. So I thought they won. They've too. got a chance to make it. They've got a chance to make it a race, no doubt about it. How about the Eagles? What does all of your reporting say? Doug Peterson went on the radio yesterday in Philadelphia. Absolute rant, losing his cool. Carson Wentz, as you can tell, has been struggling. All season long, there's some question about whether Howie Roseman, the executive vice president, has gotten the team enough talent if you look at who Wentz is throwing to. From your reporting, what are you hearing inside the Eagles organization? Well, they're, they're frustrated and, and they're upset and they thought they would be better than this, obviously. It's, it's weird, you know, going back two months, they were the, the injury-ravaged team that, oh, wouldn't it have been nice if they had been healthy, they could have made a run. And now they're supposed to win. Now they're the favorites because they're in first place, still by a game and a half, even after they lost to the Giants. Uh, the other day, so they can get it turned around. And the other thing is, I, I think you get a sense that Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz deserve the benefit of the doubt. The last two years, the Eagles have been five and six going into December, and then went four and one and made the playoffs. So they may not have to go four and one in December this year to make the <laughs> this playoffs. Right. <laughs> but they are a team that has shown an ability to finish strong when something's on the line. Obviously, they, they would like to be playing better, and they could have had this thing put away already, but obviously it's not going to be easy. No question about it. They're playing right now .389 football. They're playing under 400 football. Nobody else in the NFL is under 600. I mean, you really take a look at the differences with the NFC East and the rest of the divisions in the NFL. Well, at least they got the tie in their back pocket. <laughs> they that, do. Which matters, could right? Be like, I mean, that could, that could really make the difference when you come down to who wins that division. 7-9 or 6-9-1, it could be huge, that tie against the Cincinnati Bengals, which so many people were down on when they uh, tied that game with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. It could end up being their saving grace. Dan, great perspective. Thanks for being here this morning. My pleasure. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. We just talked about with Dan, Kirk Cousins. He made a little Monday night history last night, waited long enough to get it, and we're about to see some more history on Monday night once more. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. And this is no small thing. And I think in the year 2020, we're all realizing where we are. And the National Football League has had more of a public reckoning than most other institutions. But there's never the wrong time to do the right thing. That's a statement. That's a cliche. But I think we're experiencing that more and more this year. This is just a terrific story. Key doesn't even know about it yet. We often talk during the commercial break about all the topics we're going to talk about. But this is the first time Key's hearing this. Key, I want you to hear this. This is really, really 
Awesome. So last night we had some cheap history, right, with Kirk Cousins winning his first game on Monday Night Football. It's an arbitrary day of the week. Who cares? It's Monday. It's not a big deal. But that's history nonetheless just for, you know, statistical purposes. This is real history. You ready for this? Yes, I'm ready. The NFL has assembled an all-black officiating crew, all African-American, to work for the first time in next week's Monday Night Football game between the Los Angeles Rams and and the Tampa Bay Bucks. The league is citing the opportunity to recognize their history and recent practices in diversifying their officiating department. Here's an exact quote from Troy Vincent, the executive vice president of football operations for the NFL, former NFL player and notably African-American. Quote, this historic Week 11 crew is a testament to the countless and immeasurable contributions of black officials to the game, their exemplary performance, and to the power of inclusion that is the hallmark of this great game. The crew will be led by referee Jerome Boger. That may, name may not mean much to you, but if you've watched football anytime over the last several years, you have seen Jerome Boger go up, turn his microphone on, and tell you there's holding, and we've got a penalty. You will recognize that guy's face as soon as you see him next Monday night when Steve Levy officially announces his name on the broadcast. So the crew will be led by referee Jerome Boger and includes four members of his 2020 crew. I think this is amazing. There's a larger issue here, Key, which is the officials are getting much older. In many cases, officials are lawyers, doctors. These are not full-time jobs. These guys have other jobs, big-time jobs. Officials are also getting older. There's also, believe it or not, there's an officiating brain drain because of the way parents deal with their kids at these youth sporting events. There's a huge issue of just people that want to be officials anymore. I don't want to go out there for $20 on a weekend and be berated by some parents. So they're seeing a huge brain drain in all sports at the officiating level. So the fact that that is going to be rectified to an extent and the fact that the NFL is doing this I think is just absolutely incredible. You can bang on them all you want for their minority hiring practices, their tone deafness, trying to do the right thing, giving out draft picks. All that is fine. They have finally nailed it with this. Slowly but surely, they nail some things here and there, depending on what it is. I I still think, and I've always felt this way, officials in all leagues should be full-time. The leagues make enough money to just... Right. Make a full time. Right. What's the big deal? Like NBA, Major League Baseball just, umpires, just, they're full time. Just make a full time. Yeah. All leagues should just make them full time. They make enough money. You say, well, what do they do in the offseason when there's no play? You study. You figure out how to make the game better from an officiating standpoint. Rules changes. Rules make sure changes. You have to date on that stuff. All, all sorts of stuff. We should also mention here, I think it's notable that they're doing it in a standalone game. It's Monday Night Football, and I totally get it. Sunday night is the new Monday night. I get it. I understand Sunday Night Football. Monday Night Football is an amazing history, 50 years, largely on ABC I'll be and watching. ESPN. I'll be watching for sure. But I think it's important to not just do it during a Fox or CBS big cowboy game that most no, of the country is going to get, but not everybody. Some, yeah. You need a standalone moment to accentuate this. Because you, you mess around, and like you said, most of the country, some of the country, some states you in, you go to certain places, the TV, the small monitors on you. What you may not even notice what's going on, but if it's in a prime time situation, a Monday night football game, everybody's typically at home and it's on at somebody's television in the house at some point in time. I do also like the fact that I know when you watch Monday Night Football and our folks do such a great job, if you watch last night's game, all the great history that the Bears and the Vikings have had, I don't think, and I'm going to put myself in this group, I don't think people realize how difficult it is to become an official, stay there, the way that they're graded each and every week. And so I think this is going to put a special spotlight and a special spotlight on a special group of officials. Yeah, I've officiated my son's Little League basketball game How's that going? I didn't. I didn't like it. What didn't feel good, right? It just didn't. 
It didn't feel – it's almost like when you're coaching the Little League – son's Little League basketball team right. and little Johnny doesn't get the minutes his parents think or there's a foul that they think you should call, you don't call it, they think that you're being a homer. It's just – it's not good. So, of course, imagine being an official being yelled and screamed at, not only by the fans but coaches and players being berated and treated a certain way when you're out there – trying to do your best job, you know, you miss a call. Are you blind? Yeah. You know, all of those. No, sort of I'm things. human. Sorry. <laughs> you know what I mean? And social media, these guys are getting killed left and right on social media. Well, I don't pay attention to that. Stuff, so. <laughs> Neither do I, but it is something that's certainly out there. So an amazing gesture by the National Football League and the fact that we can spotlight it on Monday Night Football here on ESPN is going to be awesome here in less than a week. Kudos, tip of the cap to the National Football League. Let's pay off our Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. We simply asked today, who deserves the most blame for Carson Wentz's immense regression and why? Is it Wentz himself? Is it head coach Doug Peterson, who's taken some bullets for Wentz? Or is it executive vice president, general manager Howie Roseman, who may not have put the right weapons around Carson Wentz or the guy that pulled the trigger on the deal? Key is easily said, the answer is Carson Wentz. When you're the quarterback and you get that much money, you have to get all the praise and the blame. And Carson Wentz is indeed the runaway winner here on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Key, 62% go for Wentz. Doug Peterson, who went on the radio yesterday and said, it's all on me. 26%. He, of course, a former Eagles quarterback himself. And Roseman in third at 12%. I think over the course of time, he's gotten a pretty good roster. He built their Super Bowl roster, but falling all on Wentz. I would start with Howie Roseman. How can you complain? Yes, he drafted Jalen Rigger. They brought in Deshaun, who got hurt, Jackson. Alshon Jeffries is still there. Ward, they moved from quarterback to receiver. So as you start to look at the pieces at the beginning of the season – he gave them some pieces. There's no question about it. It fell apart. Then when you look at Doug Peterson, uh, uh, Doug Peters, you 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 gotta look at him putting the plays together to that best fit his quarterback. Now it's the quarterback's job to execute those plays. As I said before, every single play that's dialed up, there's at least one person open on every single play in the passing game. At least one guy. He has to find that one guy. And to this point, he has been unable to do just that. Tomorrow, we will find ourselves NBA Draft Day, the latest ball, and the Warriors picking second. We'll break it down tomorrow morning. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.